0: Today we're finishing a teaching series called The Face of God. Over the last few weeks we've been staring at the person of Jesus and in staring at the person of Jesus we've been staring into the face of God to understand something of his character, his nature, his essence. As we've looked at Jesus we've realised that God isn't a distant, absent deity. No, that he's present, he's near, he's near with grace. His grace is sufficient for us. He's near with compassion, that word means to suffer with. He suffers with us he's present in the midst of the struggle. We've realized that Jesus got angry. God gets angry. God would be angry at the racism, the injustice and inequality that robs people of life. We see Jesus turning over the tables. He begins a revolution as he stands against the evil and injustice of his day. When we look at God, we realize that he's good and that his kingdom plans for us are beyond our wildest dreams. So we're going to look at one more facial expression, if you like, of God to understand something of his character. But before we do that, I think it's really important we pause and we look at the facial expressions of Colin Hamilton. Now, this was recorded a few weeks ago, the Midweek Edition. He's hosting with his wife, Rebecca. But if you look at his facial expression, if you try and read his well-being, how he's doing, you're probably going to conclude, like me, that he's struggling in lockdown, that his eyebrows reveal that things are out of control, um, that there's chaos all around. And we just want to say, Colin, that we get it. We've been there. We are with you in the midst of the struggle. The end is in sight. Um, I'm obviously half joking. I only point the finger at Colin. because I've experienced this kind of violation myself. This last week, I was super knackered. I was so tired that I didn't even make myself dinner. I just made a bowl of cereal. I sat down. I hadn't done my hair that day. um, And I start watching TV with the kids. They're they're watching some sort of rubbish TV programme. And I get transfixed by it. And before long, Bee spots me and she starts recording me watching TV in this place of exhaustion. Here's some of the footage. And if you look at my facial expression here, I think you see a guy that. It's in, a, in a real struggle, that essentially the cry is being lifted up, like, Lord, lift me from the mud and the mire, you know, set my feet upon a rock, put a new song in my heart, because I am struggling in lockdown. Um, we've all been there, right? Hopefully that isn't just me. Um, but how worrying is that footage? That was of deep concern to me when we showed me it. Anyway, we're going to look at one more facial expression of God, um, not of anyone on our staff team. And um, this is from Luke 9, verse 51, it simply says that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. This is the moment in the gospel narratives where Jesus recognized the time has come, that the reason he's come is, yes, to demonstrate life in the kingdom of God, and to show, what it, show us what it means to be human. But he's also come to die for us, to take on the sins of the world, to liberate us, to free us, to forgive us and to introduce us to life in the kingdom of God and right here in this verse you see Jesus kind of set his face towards what's to come in Hebrews 12 it says of Jesus that for the joy set before him he endured the cross in other words he knew the other side of Calvary there was everlasting life there was an explosion of joy but to get to that he needed to journey towards Calvary and I think we learn something in that of what it means to set our face towards what is most important and right now as a church family we are setting our face towards tackling the systemic racism that's been exposed in our society it's in the wider church but it's present here at KXC and we know the joy set before us that we want to be a fuller richer expression of the kingdom of God which means every tribe and tongue gathered to worship Jesus but for us to experience the joy set before us we need to set our face towards the issue at hand what the spirit is highlighting right now which is the evil of our age racism and how we can address it and move towards justice and freedom for all so i want to look forward and and give some ideas of of what this journey ahead is going to look like for us as a church family but before i look forward i actually want to look back briefly a few years ago, Kirsty and Kez, um, two of our family at KXC, took me and I to one side and very lovingly highlighted the lack of diversity present in our church family. More than that, They highlighted some of the blind spots that are a result of white privilege and unconscious bias present in B&I and within some of our team. They highlighted them so that we could move forward and actually open wide the gates to being a more diverse family in the centre of London. They gathered a team to begin this journey. They wrote down a vision statement. This is a few years back. I want to read the vision statement to you. They wrote this. We believe in the ability of our church to grow into a greater reflection of heaven where all are valued respected and seen we exist to hold our church family lovingly accountable as we seek to change the prevailing culture of systemic racism our vision is complete freedom for our church family from that we want to reject division and seek unity passionately and intentionally embracing ethnic minorities and calling people into visibility by bringing out their divine potential we want to encourage kxc's vision of being a place where people are safe enough to heal and dangerous enough to grow and make sure sure that applies to everyone we want KXC to be home where people can freely say they unquestionably belong yes and amen to that so they established a team and I want to introduce you to the team that over the last few years have been carrying this and contending for this Kez and Lois, Dele, Neha, Tanya, Kirsty, and Lamar. Dwayne Paisley Marshall also used to be part of this team when he was at KXE And we want to thank this team for blazing a trail that they've been praying and contending and working towards change. And this team continues to provide leadership in this area as we move forward as a church family. So, what does the road ahead look like for us? Well, you'll be familiar with this diagram summary of the narrative of scripture. Creation, which is how things were in the beginning, a vision for human flourishing in Genesis 1 and 2. Decreation, which is created order that's been distorted through sin. It's unraveled through sin. And then the journey throughout scripture is towards recreation, God's new creation being birthed and breaking in upon us. And that story finds its fulfillment in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus in Christ. The author steps into the play God takes on human flesh. He enters the mess. He enters the chaos. And the sin that led to created order unravelling is loaded upon Jesus at the cross. He dies. For the sins of the world so that our sins might be washed away and after three days he rises to new life the firstborn of the new creation to usher in this whole new way of being human it's called life in the kingdom of god and this model of jesus this way of jesus gives us a framework for cultural engagement and this is how we engage in culture at kxc we stand with we stand against and we stand for firstly we stand with the oppressed this is what Jesus spent so much of his time doing secondly we stand against this is what Jesus did at the cross confronting the powers and the principalities and we want to stand against the evil and injustice of racism at this time and we want to stand for life in the kingdom of God so under those three movements let me just break down what this journey might look like in the coming weeks months and years Firstly, we want to stand with, we want to lament, we want to listen and we want to learn. John spoke about lament a few weeks ago, we mourn with those that mourn. This is a time to weep, to acknowledge the pain that's all around us. Racism isn't just an issue to address. These are our brothers and sisters who have experienced the dehumanising effects of racism and their pain needs to be heard, um, it needs to be expressed and it needs to be embraced. A significant part of this journey for us is is about listening and it's about listening well. So we're going to begin a listening exercise called My Story and My Dream. If you've experienced racism of any form, at KXC, within our family before we address it in the culture we need to address it at home within our community so if you've experienced it or you've not Being able to be fully yourself or bring your significant contribution because of the colour of your skin or the fear of being rejected, we would love to hear those stories if that would be healing and helpful to you. Our hope is that in expressing and sharing the experiences, there's a measure of healing to be found as we as staff and and the family of KXE can can repent um, and resolve to bring about change. So if you go to the website, um, you can fill in your story, your experience, but also your dream. What's your biggest prayer for KXE and the church that we could become? Because we want to add our prayers to those prayers as we contend for transformation in our family if you would find it helpful not just to share that you know in print online but actually face to face even though that might be virtually right now again we as a leadership team this is so important to us we are carving out time we're clearing some of our diaries because we want to listen well partly because we really hope that will be healing but partly because we are hungry to learn because we want to see change so we're going to do a listening exercise part of our learning is we're also going to be teaching into this so we're going to do a sunday series in july called reconciled, the way of Jesus and the way of the cross. That's not because we're rushing towards reconciliation. We know that reconciliation needs to take time, but we do want to teach into some of the key characteristics of the reconciliation journey. Then in September, we're going to do a midweek series called Conversations on Race, which will be, as the name suggests, far more conversation conversational where I'll be interviewing some black theologians and historians and pastors and people of color from our own community so that we can understand this moment we find ourselves in. We think there's three significant things that we need to do. We need to recognize the past. For some of us in the white community, there are significant gaps in our understanding of history um, and we need actually to learn history that's led to this current moment. So we need to recognize the past. We need to recognize the present. How deeply embedded um, systemic racism racism is within our institutions and structures we need to recognize the extent of the problem and thirdly and again this is mainly for my white brothers and sisters is to recognize our privilege the stuff that we've never really thought about and whether it be education opportunity any other characteristics that go with white privilege we want to name it we want to acknowledge it we want to own it because we want to use it towards the kingdom purposes of justice healing and freedom and so there's going to be a significant journey for us and off the back of those midweek editions, we want to get hubs to engage and create safe environments where the conversation continue at a smaller scale we also want to invite the church into reading there's so much you can read you've probably heard this said many times but it's not the responsibility of our brothers and sisters of color to educate us right now we as the white community we need to do our reading and our learning start with one book there's so many Books. So don't overwhelm yourself uh, from the get go. Choose one book, read it with an open heart and an open mind. And let's begin this journey and take this journey seriously, because we believe there is joy set before us as we experience greater diversity and a greater expression of the kingdom um, within our family at, at KXC. So that's the standing with. Secondly, we want to stand against. There's three main dimensions I briefly want to name. There's a spiritual standing against. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but the power and the principalities present in this dark world. In other words, there's a spiritual battle going on. It plays itself out in politics and all the dynamics we see around us in our institutions and wherever else. But ultimately, there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm. And Paul says this, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, the weapons we fight with as we engage in this battle are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we do want to see strongholds broken, and therefore we need to take these specific weapons seriously. So let me name a few of them to you. Firstly, intercessory prayer. Karl Barth, the theologian, said to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. So yes, we want to protest, and we've seen a lot of that on our streets, peaceful protesting. I'm going to name that in a minute. Um, But the first protest is on our knees contending in prayer, asking God to open the heavens and to step in to intervene. So we want to call the church to prayer. Secondly, we want to call the church to fast In Mark 9, there's a story of the disciples trying to deliver someone from demonic oppression um, and they can't seem to drive out this demon. So they come to Jesus saying, look, we've driven out other demons, but it's not working here. And Jesus says, oh yeah, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. In other words, there's a power that's released through fasting that can demolish strongholds. So we want to call the church to fasting. We as a team, we're fasting on Thursdays and we want to say, why don't you join us each Thursday fasting because we long for change in this area. Third, we want to proclaim the gospel. There is a power present in the gospel that we need if we're going to see salvation from racism. Um, In Ephesians 2, Paul is talking about the cross and he says it's the power of the cross that breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. He's referring to the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, But essentially the walls that we see present in our society, we as the followers of Jesus, we believe that only the gospel, only the power of the cross can break down those dividing walls of hostility so it's not enough to try and tear these walls down in our own strength there is a power sufficient for the task and it's the power of the gospel that's why paul says i'm not ashamed of the gospel i know it sounds foolish to many but it's the power of god for the salvation of everyone that believes if we're going to experience a greater measure of salvation From systemic racism, we need to be proclaiming and pointing people towards the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, the way of reconciliation, because that is where the power is located. Finally, then we want to call the church to worship. Um, We know that worship is how we engage in warfare. We know the story of the walls of Jericho falling, not as the people drew their swords to fight, but as they lifted their hands in worship. Whenever we proclaim in word, in song, indeed that Jesus is king, the kingdom of God breaks in. So we need to spiritually engage. We also need to relationally engage. And by that, I mean repentance and forgiveness. This is a moment, and we're seeing this play out all around us, where the white community are recognising the sin of racism um, and people are beginning to repent. And, And we need to join in that journey of repenting of our sins. Sometimes it's the sin of silence, of complicity, but we need to repent and acknowledge that we've been part of the problem. Even if our desire is to be part of the solution, we've been part of the problem. So we need to repent and we need to ask for forgiveness. Yes, ultimately from God, but also from our brothers and sisters of colour. And this is the second part of the reconciliation journey, which is the forgiveness. And we don't want to underestimate how significant and how difficult that journey is of letting go of anger and bitterness for where people have been wronged. And yet we also believe that where there's repentance and where there's forgiveness, forgiveness, um, the life of the kingdom begins to flow. Jesus said that this is a narrow road. It's a hard road, but it's a road that leads to life. So we want to invite people into uh, the relational work of repentance and forgiveness. The third aspect then is structural and cultural engagement. We are citizens of heaven right but we also know that we're citizens of London. This is the city we find ourselves in right now and we can engage as citizens um, through political engagement and structural engagement. We can use our vote for example. We can engage in work of advocacy. We can protest and some have been doing that peaceful protesting obviously. So we can engage politically but we can also engage in our workplace speaking the truth to power, highlighting some of the systems that operate that disadvantage and discriminate discriminate against people so there's a top-down approach to cultural change right but we also need to name that there's a bottom-up approach there's small things that we can do that bring about incremental change that lead to instrumental change for example who do we invite for dinner how do we develop our friendship group do we invite people just like us or do we extend the invitation to those that aren't like us who do we chat to at the school gates when we're waiting to pick up our kids what films do we watch with our kids? What music or what books do we read with our children? How do we engage in our local communities? That's the bottom-up approach that can lead to cultural change. And the best way to redeem culture is to create culture, which leads to the final movement then, standing for the kingdom of God. I briefly want to talk about footwashing, friendship and family. I think there's three questions Critical questions that we need to engage in at this time and over the coming weeks, months, years. Um, Number one, how do we relate to power? Number two, how do we relate to our neighbours? Number three, how do we relate to ourselves? Firstly, how do we relate to power? The secular solution is the redistribution of power, to which we in the church should say yes and amen. Leadership boards, boards of directors, leadership teams, staff teams, they need to be far more representative of the diversity of this city. And at KXC, we've got a long way to go so we want to say yes and amen to the redistribution of power but this kingdom solution goes one step further and says yes redistribution of power but also redemption of power power needs to be redeemed and what does redemption of power look like in the new testament it looks like self-emptying this is the example of jesus at the incarnation empties himself to become human we see this at the cross, that he empties himself. He says, not my will be done, but yours. You get a beautiful picture of this at the Last Supper. They're celebrating the Passover as they remember in their story when God stepped in and liberated them from slavery in Egypt and the oppression that went with that. And the disciples, as they gather at Passover, they're probably thinking, Jesus, this would be a great time to start a revolution, to overpower Rome. That's why Peter in Gethsemane grabs the sword. He's ready to fight. It's like revolution time. And Jesus ascends essentially says it is revolution time but it's a different revolution. So at the Last Supper, he doesn't grab the sword. He grabs the basin and the towel and he washes people's feet. I mean, this is the kind of revolution we need, right? As Jesus stoops down and in doing so, raises the disciples up and says, go and do likewise. So yes, we in the white community that because of privilege hold a lot of the positions of power and influence. Yes, we need to invite brothers and sisters of color to the table, but more than that, We need to get on our knees. We need to grab the basin and the towel and we need to wash the feet of those that we have historically and in the present wounded and robbed of the opportunity to play their complete part in the kingdom story. So we need to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters. That's the kind of revolution that's present when the kingdom of God is present. Secondly then, how do we relate to our neighbours? The secular solution is tolerance. Tolerance is one of the idols of our age. The kingdom solution says yes, and it goes way beyond tolerance, towards friendship. The goal isn't to sit at the table with tolerance in our hearts. The goal is to sit at the table with love in our hearts. That we break bread and wine. We reconcile, we embrace, and in doing so, we become friends. Third question, how do we relate to ourselves? This is the identity question. And the secular solution is to identify with labels that are often imposed upon us. The kingdom solution is that we understand that we have been given an identity that comes from above, not below. It comes from God as his beloved sons and daughters. Our task as followers of Jesus is to receive this identity, allow it to permeate the entirety of our beings, but then also to treat people according to that same identity. And too often in the church, we've been busy trying to live in this identity, not treat others according to the same identity and that gap needs to be closed because in Christ we are family I'm a child of God you're a child of God that makes us family you see the other labels gender labels and race ethnicity they are of deep significance and in the church we need to affirm these different identities but there's a deeper bond of unity that holds the diversity together and that is the identity created by the blood of Jesus as Paul says in Galatians 3 he says there's no longer this dividing wall between Jew and Gentile slave and free male and female we are one in Christ like we are family so we move forward as family together. This is what it looks like to replace systems of oppression with the way of the kingdom. It's foot washing, it's friendship and it's family. Let me get really practical. What's this actually going to look like in the next few weeks and months as we, you know, take the next step in this journey? I said the churchwide listening exercise, kxc.org.uk forward slash my story. We're going to do a midweek series in um, September, conversations on race. We're going to do a Sunday series on reconciliation in July. We're calling the church towards prayer and fasting. We're trying to invite hubs into this journey to create safe places for conversations. And we're going to partner with other organizations that we can serve and be served by as we move forward together. And part of that will be financial giving. We regularly say at KXC that your heart follows your money. Your heart is found where your treasure is found. Well, we want to put some of our treasure towards you know, partnerships, organisations tackling racism because we want our heart to be found there where there's justice, freedom and the kingdom of God. So that's all going to be quite visible over the next few weeks and months. This is the beginning of the journey. You know, we're we're moving forward. This is a long road ahead. But behind the scenes, a lot of the hard work will be invisible. It's leadership evenings providing training for our leaders. It's reading together as a staff team and going on a journey with, with that team. We're going to do some staff-wide unconscious bias training we also want to develop a strategic action plan for how we can bring change in every level within KXE at trustee level you know our PCC equivalent um, leadership team staff through the church we actually want to see change at every level as I said we've got a long way to go but we believe the spirit is leading us forward and we are committed to a church that is more diverse and a greater expression of the life of the kingdom of God which leads to this final verse a vision if you like, something to whet the appetite for what's to come. Thomas Merton, a Catholic writer, says our lives are shaped by the end we live for. Well, this is the end we're living for. So let it shape us in the here and now. This is a vision of heaven. Um, John writes this. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's it's a vision. Every tribe and tongue gathered worshipping Jesus. That's what we're living for. And we need to acknowledge that the kingdom ends can only come about through the kingdom story. There's A momentum in the secular narrative right now. And we need to acknowledge that because the church hasn't always engaged as we should have done, the secular prophets, the secular voices have become the prevailing voices and they've done an amazing work of of contending for genuine change. So we need to humbly acknowledge we've not played the part we should have done as the church, but we also need to recognize we have a unique story to tell of how we can lead to this vision of every tribe and tongue gathered. You see, the secular vision, they want every every tribe and tongue gathered, they just don't want it to be centred around the land that was slain. They want the kingdom. They just don't want the king to be at the center. They want to eat from the fruit of the Judeo-Christian worldview. They just want to chop down the tree that bears the fruit. And it's our task as the followers of Jesus to say yes and amen to the vision, every tribe and tongue gathered. But we also need to say, we believe there's a story that leads towards that end. And that story is the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. We unite as we worship and gather around the Lamb was slain. Freedom comes. Justice comes. The kingdom comes through a person. His name is Jesus and he is the one we worship. That is our message and it's time to proclaim it.